Welcome back, everyone. I hope you've been having a great month. I'm really proud to share today's episode, which I think is coming at the right time given everything that's going on in the world. And once you hear it, you'll understand why I'm saying this. This particular conversation really enforced the notion that storytelling matters, but furthermore, holds us accountable to ourselves and to each other as people. And on that note, I'll let today's slow story contributor, Matisse Bustos-Hawks, a passionate human rights advocate and newly minted founder, take it from here with an anecdote on why a particular podcast episode she stumbled across inspired her. Here's Matisse. Hi, I'm Matisse Bustos-Hawks. I'm the founder of Ultralato Communications, a new strategic communications firm for changemakers. And the thing that I'm going to share with you all today is something that popped up on my Twitter timeline. It was an old episode of the podcast, Call Your Girlfriend. If you're not familiar with that podcast, it's great. Um, Hosted by two best friends who invite guests and contributors to talk about everything from politics to pop culture, and they do so through a feminist lens. The episode I'm going to refer to was produced back in January 2018, and the theme was sort of accountability and goal setting. I was really excited that one of the contributors is Sabrina Hersey Issa, and she offered this really fantastic framework for personal inventory day related to one's own goals. And I think this is a really fantastic practice that the listeners of Slow Stories probably will appreciate. So it's a practice that requires you take some time aside from the doing or the um, progress toward your goals, but really to set aside and reflect. And she does this um, with a framework of four questions that she offers as as a starting point. Number one, what did I learn this month? Number two, what surprised me and why? Number three, what am I grateful for? And number four, who am I grateful for? So what she says, you know, kind of as a a backdrop to this personal inventory day is you have got to have your goals written down and easily accessible to you at any point in time. And she also really calls on people to be unapologetically focused on what your needs are. This really translates into taking stock of what you want for yourself. Be honest with yourself, for yourself and no one else when it comes to these goal settings. For me as somebody who's just starting out with a new venture, these ideas, setting up good practices from the start and that I'm not only thinking about the goals and the um, objectives that I want to achieve, but how is it that I'm holding myself accountable And I really appreciate that Sabrina's guiding questions are not just analytical, but that it also incorporates um, something that I know Sabrina feels really strongly about, which is kind of creating more joy. I hope that this resonates for some of you, and I hope that you enjoy the episode coming up of Slow Stories. Thank you so much again to Matisse for sharing. Again, the podcast she referenced is Call Your Girlfriend, featuring contributor and human rights technologist Sabrina Hersey Issa. Now, here's my chat with Carolyn Witte of TIA. Carolyn Witte is the founder and CEO of TIA, a next-generation women's healthcare company that is modernizing and humanizing the healthcare experience for women everywhere. 
Initially known for its acclaimed mobile app, Tia has already been able to bridge the gap between connection and personalization to create a digital resource for women looking for real-time guidance while navigating the increasingly complex medical landscape. As of this year, Carolyn and her team have taken that mission one step further with the introduction of Tia's first women's clinic and community space right here in New York City. Leading with empathy and design coupled with Tia's bold aesthetic and voice all laid the groundwork for my conversation with Carolyn, who shared how slow and thoughtful storytelling is truly at the heart of every part of the Tia experience. Here's Carolyn with more about the inception of the company and what questions she hopes women ask one another more of during their visit at Tia. Enjoy. I'm Carolyn Witte. I am a person outside of Tia, I like to tell myself, who loves um, a lot of things that I share with Tia, but some other things as well. Um, I love writing. I'm a lover of words. Um, I love telling stories and writing stories and listening to stories. I love connecting with women about all sort of aspects of their life. Um, and I love being spontaneous and experiencing everything in life to the deepest, um, in the deepest way, whether that's a meal or traveling or a yoga class or whatever it is that I'm doing. I like to be, a, you know, hundred percent in it and feel all the feelings associated with that. So that's a little bit about me. And, um, I think a lot of things that inform how I think about women's health and building a company in this space. Seems like you have a very grounded approach to what you're doing with Tia. And obviously with this podcast, um, we're really focused on kind of championing the innovation and all the positivity that comes when we slow down and, and make space for these stories that ultimately inspire bigger picture thinking, whether that, you know, extends to a story that you heard from a woman in your life or something that was just kind of percolating in your mind. Take us back to the moment when you kind of realized the need for Tia to come to life. Yeah. So the story of Tia starts with my own personal health story, actually. I um, went through my own frustrating series of women's healthcare issues in my early 20s living in New York that got me very fed up with healthcare and not being designed for women. Um, but it wasn't that story. It was the sharing of that story with other women, my friends and non-friends, and realizing that my experience was not the exception, but the norm. And that like every woman has a story or multiple stories about not feeling heard, not feeling seen, some horrible misdiagnosis story or whatever it is, thinking about the healthcare system and realizing everyone has a story here. Why, why does everybody think they're the only one? Um, and it was sort of the combination of those um, stories that really led me to, to build Tia and say, there has to be a better way to experience and interact with healthcare in a way that um, building a new model that is designed with the female experience at the center of it. And do you think that there was one kind of moment or story in particular that really reinforced what you were doing was needed, uh, both online and then offline? We had this sort of the inkling of I, this idea. Um, and, you know, the idea of the Tia Clinic was kind of a moonshot, like the last page of the deck kind of thing that I was like, and one day maybe we'll do this. Um, but when we saw women, uh, or heard rather, women that our users were bringing to you with them to the gynecologist's office and messaging us in a care context, it was like live storytelling, story sharing that gave us literally and figuratively a front row seat to everything that was working and not working in healthcare today. 
So that was like the initial sort of spark that said, huh, like maybe women want to and not just before and after their doctor, but with their doctor too. Um, and the way we validated that idea, if this counts as a story or an aha moment, was we brought a bunch of women into our TIA office in San Francisco. Um, and these were women who had never used the TIA app. And we asked them to chat with Tia about an abnormal pap smear, which almost every woman, actually 80% of women will have an abnormal pap smear. Uh, usually that is associated with a freak out about cervical cancer. Um, that's like very misunderstood and confusing and terrifying and whatever. Um, and so it was one of the most commonly asked questions to Tia. Um, and so we'd have them chat with Tia about an abnormal pap smear for a minute or so. And then we would tell them, put your phone down. We'd say, um, now imagine Tia on your phone opened up a real world women's health clinic. What would that be like? And that was the only context we gave them. And pretty much across the board, every single woman's eyes lit up and we're like, oh my God, it would be like, it would kind of like the wing for healthcare. Have you heard of it? Like it would be like this place you want to go to, not just when something is wrong, but to, you know, connect with other women and proactively check in on your health. And wouldn't it be scary? And the doctors wouldn't judge you and they would actually explain things to you. And they there would be like research backing behind all the things that they would tell you and you'd have a real conversation and and it went on and on and on. And what the most interesting thing to me, if this counts as you know, a story and insight, was that we had all these women that were basically describing a thing that was at the time just in our minds kind of describing the same vision of the future that they all wanted, simply based on chatting and having a very minimal digital relationship with Tia on their phone. Um, so that for me was like the aha moment of like, oh my God, we have to go do this. Like women want this. If your users can describe the thing you're thinking of in your mind before you've even made it, like that's validation. And it's just a, a really amazing example of, of showing how much a simple connection, bringing people together in that way can really changed lives yeah. um, and connection for us that connected editorial obviously is super important and um, you know was really kind of the impetus for starting this podcast as well especially after the conversations that I was personally having with other I guess brand builders who were trying to figure out um, how to create that sense of connection through content um, that was still substantive and you know frequent so as a result we kind of started to take a position on what's being called the slow content movement that kind of considers this quality versus quantity conundrum that a lot of brands face. Um, so with that said, what you're doing obviously has a few more different layers to it, given the, the healthcare element. So what does slow content mean to you and in, in the context of what you're building with Tia? And how do you consider creating slower, thoughtful content across every touch point of the experience? So it means a few things for us. Um, in particular, we've taken a, a very, um, almost I would say, crazed obsession with voice and tone. We have a really distinct voice and tone as a brand. Um, spent a lot, of, I used to write, or still largely do write everything Tia says, but now we have a lot of different speakers underneath the Tia brand, whether those are doctors or medical assistants or the Tia on your phone or the company on Instagram. And we think a lot about who is speaking in the context of what they're sharing um, and how, you know, we say like the golden rule of communications is to never show your reader, your listener, your customer, your patient, sort of your org, your org chart. And for them to just feel like there is one singular Tia, whether they're getting an appointment reminder, their test results back um, or, you know, 
you know, in a, a bill in the mail. Like that's the dream. I wouldn't say we have all of those touch points perfectly covered yet. So when I think about communication, I think about it across every sort of touch point of that user experience from an Instagram post to how we check you in at the TIA clinic to how we deliver you test results. And how do we think about consistency of voice and tone across those, uh, of course, with sort of dialing up and down things like clinical, you know, clinical terminology versus, you know, sass and sweetness and things like that. A lot of the issues actually, um, you know, I'm thinking a lot about right now is we don't, we have so many communication channels and how do you have that consistent voice and tone and produce content thoughtfully um, across all of them. So when you think about brand, like brand content, particular, some of the stuff that I'm particularly proud of we've done over the past few months has been um, a making of the Tia Clinic series. We put out largely on Instagram, but on you know Medium and other platforms too. That's really intended to give our community and patients, and more broadly, people sort of interested in the future of healthcare and women's health, a peek behind the curtain into how and why we're rebuilding this new care model. And it really, it's two parts. It's both sharing our point of view and our process and also inviting people to give us feedback. So we think a lot about not just content we put out, but content we can get back in from our patients uh, and community that help us refine what we do. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm sure, you know, every day presents an interesting opportunity to do that, especially as the community grows. But I guess, tactically speaking, how would you describe the process of kind of finding your voice and, you know, understanding the ways in which the content can serve Tia's community in different ways? So particularly, I mean, in the health and wellness space and the wellness space, let, let's talk, start there. Um, it's very crowded and there's a lot of, from the mobby blogger, you know, community to goop and like every yoga studio on the planet, there's just like an enormous amount of content. So we always are always asking ourselves, what are we saying that's different? Is this, is, is this distinctly Tia? Uh, do we have a point of view that is different than X other blog? Are we putting something out there that has substance and research behind it uh, that presents a unique point of view, or as I mentioned, invites other people to share their points of view in a differentiated way before sort of choosing to just put out filler content, which I have a personal sort of aversion to. Um, I also think about the clinical side and like more traditional conventional medicine, how do you talk about things like cervical cancer or ultrasound protocols, uh, really boring things like insurance and make those sexy or engaging? Um, and we have like an enormous sort of challenge on our hands to do that. And I think that's a unique place to play, which is, you know, people usually don't want to go read that stuff. So how do we, but we think it's really important women know that stuff. So how do we creatively develop content that helps people understand the core components of the healthcare system, how the TIA clinic works and how to really educate them to take the most uh, advantage of TIA and the healthcare system more broadly. And obviously that is a um, process that warrants this kind of slower and more thoughtful approach. And I'm sure it's something that can be executed in a really creative way. And then, you know, going back to the heart of, of this podcast, just as a consumer, what does this idea of slow content mean to you? How would you like to see it um, more implemented in the brands and content creators that you follow? A couple things like purposed and like 
you know, unique voices and perspectives, right? I think a lot of these, as I mentioned, a lot of the topics I talked about are really crowded. Um, And I think we feel often, I wouldn't say we've like, we never do this, but as brands feel like the need to chime in on every issue on every sort of subject matter and have a point of view versus being like, well, do we have something unique to say about it? Maybe I won't say anything. Um, I'd like to see more of that, more curation. Um, Would like to see more research backing behind whether it's in the healthcare space or otherwise, I would say a seriousness in the type of content that's developed. I'm biased towards long form content, which uh, has its rare homes on the internet these days, but it's not, uh, doesn't lend itself to the Instagram story <laughs> in many ways, but I'm biased towards that. You know, the New York Magazine or New York Times Magazine long form pieces, like that is where. I think the best journalism is these days. And I love, want to see more of that and that valued um, by editors and readers alike. Um, and then I'm really interested in interactive content that sparks conversation that isn't one way. That's what podcasts are so exciting about in many ways, like what we're doing right here is it's a conversation. It's not one way content production, it's two ways. Um, but I think doing that in a way where you're actually crowdsourcing um, you know, this is where Instagram AMAs and Facebook Live and those types of things are pretty cool, in my opinion, uh, is because it's it is more raw and less obviously like polished. But I think it allows for more diversity of voices and conversations to happen than traditional produced content. Totally. And what I love particularly about podcasting and, you know, just doing these interviews is that I've found podcasts generally to be a more intimate medium. And when I'm listening to them. I really can only focus my attention on that. I can't really multitask. And I think that's, there's such a rare opportunity that comes with that. If you can get people to sit down and and listen to something with their undivided attention for 20 minutes and in 2019, then I think you're on the right track. Podcasts are um, a dream. I hope we have a deal on one day. There's like, it's one of those like dreams we have. We're like, okay. And then when we solve all these other problems, wouldn't it be so cool to create this in content form. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, obviously with the introduction of, of Tia's clinic, there's such an opportunity to kind of take what you're doing with the online storytelling and into a tangible setting. And, and um, I'd love to learn a little bit more about what the process was like of, you know, building the clinic and, you know, what opportunities you see for the space itself to provide community building opportunities. I love stories. I love hearing women's stories, <laughs> telling them all of that. And I think in designing the physical space, one of my passion projects is how do you create a space that invites women to share their stories, particularly about intimate or taboo topics that don't tend to be talked about or where they're difficult to talk about in traditional spaces. Um, oftentimes, even at the doctor's office, which is really, really sad in designing the space. Um, yes, we have even our exam rooms are all about how do we maximize patient provider conversation and eye contact and storytelling. If you think about even your health story as a story in itself. Um, and then we have what we call the flex space, which is a sort of a community space that is designed specifically for events and programming we do in the TIA clinic, everything from group, group acupuncture to we started our first wellness optimizing gut health workshop to support groups and a whole array of programming that's really all in service of bringing our members or patients together to connect with one another and and spark a conversation and share stories that, again, typically aren't told. And I think having a space like that really gives women the opportunity 
to slow down, connect, and also give themselves the headspace um, to kind of think about some of the bigger questions that they might not have the opportunity to address normally, whether they're asking it of themselves or of others. So I'm wondering if there's any one question that you hope women will ask one another more often while at TIA that they might not have normally in any other setting. I hope women ask each other this question one day, but we start by our providers ask every patient this question. And it's a question that Tia's nat- uh, head of wellness and you know she's a naturopathic doctor asks all of her patients. That is now the first question on our health record for all appointments, whether you're coming in for a colposcopy or a naturopathic visit, which is what does optimal health mean to you? And the reason why I love this question is, and when we sort of workshop this with our patients, it, the response is so crazy, which is, I've never been, no one's ever asked me before. Like, how do I define health for myself? Like the medical system typically, you know, combines or defines health for women as like, you don't have cervical cancer, you're not pregnant, you don't want to be, uh, if you don't want to be rather, you don't have an STI, you're healthy. Um, but what about sort of the broader definitions of health and well-being, um, whether that's um, something like better communication with your partner or not waking up at 2 a.m. with heart palpitations or, um, I don't know, happiness and joy in life, um, you know, getting and staying healthy, not just sort of treating sickness. Um, so I think the, the, the sheer notion of asking women to define for themselves for the first time what health means to them is, a weirdly enough, kind of like a crazy concept. And one that we've been really, really interested to read people's responses and their health record. Some people like are kind of dumbfounded and don't know how to answer the question. Other people write essays. Um, and I you know, hope that women start asking other women this question and have a, um, a meaningful conversation of well, what it means to be a healthy woman as defined by ourselves versus society. How would you answer it? I'll talk about my goals versus where I am, but <laughs> I think the other thing before I answer that um, Erica, our naturopathic doctor says is she's always interested to see how her patients answers to this question change over time, because what your goals might be, um, your definition of optimal health when you're 22 versus 32, or even one week versus the next may be very different. Um, and health is a journey or an evolution, not like a, you know, a, a static, like defining point in time. Um, and so I'll, again, with that context in mind, I'll answer that question for myself. To me, optimal health is really about, you know, finding this equilibrium between mental, most emotional and physical well-being where I both understand and know how to listen to the cues in my body and know what to do about it. Um, and then I think the last part about that is having like the self-control respect I would say discipline to do the things I know I need to do for my health that um, make me the best version of myself. And I think that part's really, really hard. Oh, for sure. Especially, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're pulled in every which direction. So just to have a moment of time to think about and then let alone act on that is a huge win. So it's really interesting, something I'm definitely going to be thinking about. And obviously, there's so much more that we could dig into in this conversation. But, you know, for the purposes of this interview, um, I want to close out the chat with a question that's become pretty central to each of our episodes. And that is, why do you think slowing down our relationship to content will ultimately help us live, work and feel better? If you think of zoom out further and think about sort of the speed at which everything from Instagram to our, you know, to the news for it's like 
that forces us to produce and consume content as like a proxy for the speed of life right now that so many of us live. Um, I think if we all think about slowing down to sort of write thoughtfully, read thoughtfully, consume thoughtfully uh, and slower, um, maybe everything else will slow down so ever so slightly too. And uh, this is one where I need to work on practicing what I preach as someone who tends to move a million miles a minute. I think we miss the the, the time to reflect and really process. Um, and that is as true for what you read as it is for sort of what you experience in life. Um, and I think sort of taking a moment to dial things back and be more thoughtful about everything we do is important. That was Carolyn Witte of TIA. There's never been a more critical time to support women's healthcare companies like this, so be sure to follow TIA on social at AskTIA and visit their website at www.asktia.com. I'm Rachel Schwartzman, and thank you for tuning into Slow Stories. We'll be back in June with our final episodes of season two.